0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I saw something great in Burbank yesterday. And this sounds bad, but it was great. Because I, I usually don't like the uh, the parking meter people, the toll meter maids, the toll people, whatever we call them. Because, you know, they always sit there and they, they give you tickets. And Burbank's very strict on where you talk. Well, this is no lie what happened. I'm leaving the gym yesterday. And I walked to the gym because it's it gives me my steps for my Fitbit. And I see this guy. And he's this my age Armenian guy and he's Looks, he's up like he's up to no good, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he's outside his Mercedes, and I guess he had just erased the chalk because if you don't know, they they mark the chalk when it says two hours. So if you they know the meter maids know if you move your car or not. So he marked the chalk, and all of a sudden he got busted by a meter maid across the street, and the guy started yelling. I mean, this meter maid's screaming, and runs over and tells the guy how it's a misdemeanor, and he's going to call the cops. He's going to get a bigger ticket than that, and that's when I walked away. I should have filmed it, but I'm not one of those people. And as I was walking around the corner, I saw the meter maid actually went back to his car and got the stick with the chalk and made the guy mark his own car. And for that day, I loved that meter maid. I said, this guy is not taking crap. And it was amazing. Anyway, we have a great show today. Uh, uh, An actor has been in so much stuff. It's just an amazing career. It's Jim Beaver. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great,
1: man. I'm doing great.
0: Yeah, you ever run into the meter maids? Do, do you ever run into the meter maids?
1: I haven't. I don't run into the meter maids very often. Well, actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you my meter maid story. I want to hear it. It wasn't actually a meter maid. It was a guy in a. I, I was. I pulled up in front of some store that I wanted to run into, and the and it the meter took my money and didn't give me any time, and. Uh, just at that moment, I saw the meter guy coming down the street, and I flagged him down. I said, i got to run in here, but this thing just ate my money, and it's not given me any time. And he said, oh, here. Uh, and he took out uh, a parking ticket, and he said, put this under your uh, windshield wiper. And I said, well, he said, it's a blank ticket. Okay. Just put it under there, <laughs> because if somebody else, if another meter guy comes by, he'll see that, and he won't give you a new one. I still have that parking ticket.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect thing because you think. Actually, though, in Burbank, I had an old roommate who parked because I live off on Olive, off Olive up there, but he parked on Angelino and he parked his car and. He went and he saw a ticket. So he said, how the hell with it? You know, I'm covered. Came back. There was another ticket. The same person drove around, gave him two tickets, and he called, and they said, no. And I'm thinking, there should be a rule. One ticket, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it's not like they're doing something busy. They're just driving around giving tickets. It's awful. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about your career. Now, Now you were born in Wyoming. Yeah, coincidentally. And, and you were a minister's son. Yeah. Now, do you think, is that how you got your entertainment? Because the ministers are very entertaining. Well
1: I I think maybe it had a strong effect on my desire to be up in front of people. Okay. Uh um my my dad was um my dad was about the coolest guy I ever knew and and uh he was pretty far from the most entertaining ministers that you see on television that sort of that wasn't his game. Um but uh um yeah, I saw I saw I saw the respect he got when he was in front of people doing what he knew how to do, and and doing it well. And I I can't help but think that that rubbed off on me in some way. Although um, uh, I, I went a fairly seriously different path, but uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I, the apple didn't fall that far from the tree. It's
0: amazing, you know, how how the preachers and ministers get so much. Uh, you're right, people just it's respect when they talk. People listen. I mean, I you know, I went to a, I, I'm Presbyterian, but I went to a, my girlfriend's uh, church on Christmas Eve, and when the minister, even when the kids, like was we went to the early ceremony because I'm not staying for two hours in a mass. You know, it's Christmas Eve. I want to get home, make dinner, mm. and it was amazing though because I think the parents make sure their kids sit and are quiet. Other mm-hmm. times, anywhere else you go, parents let their kids run around. Yeah. but it's amazing the power they have. So 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 you what we can say?
1: No, I I was just gonna say that uh, uh, there's a very Strong quieting effect when you see your old man standing up on the uh, uh, pulpit, um, glaring down at you, right, <laughs> uh, with with uh, with a little daggers coming out of his eyes that all say "be quiet."
0: I know it's, it's you're 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 like the, they're saying if his son acts up, yeah. everyone else's son can act
1: up. Yeah. So now now you went to college for a year after you got out of high school. Um, well, I went to college for a year while I was in high school. Now, how's that happen? Um, I I hit the end of my junior year, and I had all the credits I needed to graduate except for two, I think. And the college I wanted to go to uh, didn't require as many credits to start college as my high school required to graduate. Okay. So – and the college had a high school that was an adjunct of it. And so I went – I got permission to go do my senior year at this uh, college, um, or at this the high school associated with with uh, Fort Worth Christian College, and um, uh, and took uh, classes at the same time, uh, took college classes at the same time. So I was I did my senior year and my freshman year of college all at the same time.
0: Oh, see, that's cool. It's like, you can never do that now. But now it's like, just like you hear kids graduating with like 4.82 grade point averages. And I'm like, what's
1: happened to the four? I don't, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't, there were no fours in mine. Okay. <laughs> so then you joined the service? Yeah. I, uh, what I went, brought that about? Well, I had, um, uh, I had three or four buddies. All my, all my buddies growing up were a year older than I was. Um, and I was kind of the runt of the litter. Uh, at least in terms of how they thought about me, and um, uh, they all graduated the year before I did, and uh, three or four of them went into the Marines. And all I got from them for the next year was letters saying, "Boy, whatever you do, don't join the Marines." Right. Um, and I, of course, didn't take the warning seriously. I took it as a "Oh, they don't think I can hack it" um, sort of thing. So the first thing I did when I got out of high school was to join the marines and uh and um, the first couple of hours of boot camp i spent trying to get back out right <laughs> so how long were you how long did you have to spend well i was i was on active duty for three years and then i uh decided to do another i guess five years in the reserves so um uh um, I wore. I, let's put it this way: I wore the uniform for about eight years. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, now,
0: when did the acting come? I mean, when did you finally start acting? I mean, you were you were into high school and college at the same time. Yeah. You go into the service. You've already lived a, a very exciting life. I mean, it's a lot of you've done a lot of stuff for a kid. Probably at that twenty three, maybe twenty four. You've done a lot of stuff. Now, how did the acting come about?
1: I had done a couple of things in you know elementary school but uh uh, i never had any thoughts about being an actor i had sort of high school dreams of being a stuntman at some point but uh um uh i I never really gave much thought to it but then when i was uh when i was in in the marines um i had a buddy who had uh, um had done a lot of high school drama and he kept telling me how much fun it was and so i think the bug was kind of in my in my head at that point the uh while I was in Vietnam, I I read the complete works of Shakespeare and kind of fell in love with that, and um, you know, like like you do when you're in Vietnam, you read <laughs> the complete works of Shakespeare. Um, but I, I still hadn't really thought about being an actor. I I was I was really deep into film and film history, and I wanted to be a film historian. I wanted to write biographies and uh, and histories. But when I got out of the service and went. Back to college, Um, there were no film history courses at that time, unless you were in L.A. or New York, which I wasn't. And uh, so I signed up for theater classes. Just um, I thought, well, this is kind of close. And uh, then they put me in a play, and the first ten seconds of that play, I knew this is what I was going to do the rest of my life.
0: Everyone says that so much. They always say, you know, they they once they get on the stage, it just. It catches them. And yeah. It's, it if it's going
1: to catch you, that's when it'll do it.
0: So, so you do that. So now what do you do? I mean,
1: how do you start building your career? Do you go to school for four years? Yeah. Uh, um, at least four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I guess I, guess I, I guess I finished up in four years, uh, counting the year before I went in the service. Um, I did my first professional play uh, um, in Oklahoma City uh while i was a sophomore at um uh where was i at that time i guess i was at central state university which is now the university of central oklahoma okay and uh i say i did my first professional play it was at a huge theater it was i auditioned for it and i got the part and everything the fact that they paid me 25 dollars for six weeks work that to me that made me a professional
0: isn't that funny how it's like when i started doing stand-up comedy when i did it for years i remember the first gig it was like my name was in the paper and it was like i mean smaller like and they said less and we got part of the door and i got six or eight bucks and i Mm -hmm. was like
1: yeah it's true you're like i'm professional now i got paid and everyone's like yeah, it doesn't matter yeah, the exactly. <laughs> it Doesn't matter the amount. You know, if they'd paid me a nickel, I'd have been a professional actor at that point. So were you really enjoying stage? Was that was that your first yeah. love? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of plays, and uh, um, and then uh, I got out of school and uh, I went back to Dallas, which was uh, pretty much where I'd grown up in in the surroundings of Dallas and. Uh, I went back there for a while. I did uh, five seasons at the Dallas Shakespeare Festival. And there I met a lot of actors and directors from New York. And that gave me a little bit of connection to the big city. And uh, And I went there um, um, around the time I was 28 or 29. You went to New like York? Get, yeah. And now to pursue uh, yeah, to the pursue, stage? To pursue the stage, yeah. And yeah. now how did that go for you? Um, it went... Really well in one sense. I worked a lot while I lived in New York, but I never worked in New York. Okay, I still haven't. Uh, wow. All these years later, uh, I got a lot of shows that were on the road. I uh, uh, I toured and did stock and that sort of thing. And uh, so I've seen. You know, I've 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 done Shakespeare in Nitro, West Virginia, uh, and uh, 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 plays in in. Uh, big and little cities uh, all over, primarily the East Coast and the Midwest. But um, all the time I lived in New York, I never got a job in New York. That's crazy. And it's funny because you do go on the road because you want to pay the bill. You know, it's something. Now, did you find
0: the road grueling? Because a lot of people just, a lot of people can't take it for that long. I mean, and you started, like, like I said, when I did comedy, when I was on the road, it was 23 or 24. Now I would never do it, because I say the road is a young man's game. Yeah. But now was it, because you were a little bit older, was it harder for you, or because you I had been in Vietnam? I didn't find it,
1: I didn't, it wasn't as hard as Vietnam. Right, yeah. I am sure. <laughs> uh, uh, it, no, it wasn't, uh, I didn't find it particularly hard. The The gigs I was on were, um, they were, the, the main road gigs were things where we would set up in a certain town and then go out to, various other towns using that one place as our headquarters so i had uh you know i had an apartment i could go back to okay uh um and uh uh it was it was not it was not the kind of thing that you get in a major broadway tour where uh, you play for a few weeks one place a few weeks another place a few weeks another place it was uh uh it was a little more centered than that but um uh, uh, no, I've I've never minded being on the road. I like I like it now. It's it's harder because I have a kid now. But when I'm, uh, 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 you know, nowadays most things seem to shoot outside L.A. So I'm on the road a lot, right. and I like it. I I love hotel rooms. I'm okay. crazy that way.
0: No, for me, hotel rooms. You know, it's like I mean, I like some, but like when back in the days of comedy, like I, I said, the best story was you know I was playing a, at a comedy club at Trump's Castle in Atlantic mm-hmm. City great we stay at Trump's castle the week later I'm doing a run through like Ohio I'm staying at a converted trailer park in Akron or something and you're worried like an axe murderer is going to come in and that's what people don't get like sometimes the road they think oh it's all glamorous
1: like no you go from nice
0: to crap
1: yeah it just it depends on the gig and uh and I've stayed in some places that I I, I would pay not to stay right. in. So,
0: <laughs> so you're doing the road now. When do you decide to break in to come to L. A. or start to f- uh, focus on film and TV? Because you seem like you love the stage and you you were working a lot. Were you just sitting there going, "It's time for me to make a change"?
1: No, I, it was. Uh, I had, uh, as I mentioned, I had started out wanting to write film history, and I did. I I, I wrote a, a, a biography of the actor John Garfield while I was in college. Okay, and. Uh, um and uh uh i i was i was still deep into that as what a first fascinated lesson. you so much about it i don't know really? i just i just love old movies and i love the people in them and i'm fascinated uh, about finding out uh, their lives and uh um so i uh, uh i had started uh, around the time i uh, a year or so before i went to new york i started uh, uh writing for a, a film magazine in new york called films and review and uh, uh and they you know writing profiles of of older actors from the old days the golden age and uh that sort of thing and at one point my editor asked me if i would be interested in writing an article on george reeves who had played superman in the 50s because uh, they were getting a lot of requests for that kind of thing and i said sure i'll take it on uh and the more i dug into that the more i felt like i there might be a book here and i started thinking about doing that and then uh, um and then i uh i decided you know i need to go to la and do some research if i'm going to do this and uh so i came out to uh came out to la in 83 to research the book thinking i'm just going to take six months off of acting and uh, uh and concentrate on the book and um uh, you know, 32 years later, I'm still in LA right. and still working on the book, the same but <laughs> I, I, I gave up giving up acting. So, uh, 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 you know, I, I still work on the book, uh, between gigs, but, uh, those are harder and harder to find between gigs. Right. So thank God. Uh, so yeah, uh, I came out here to uh, to research a book, and so you came out and you just stayed. I stayed. I got um, I got a a, a job. A, a buddy of mine, Tom Allard, was uh, employed by the Old Variety Arts Center downtown in LA, and uh, uh, he got me a job there as as the film archivist, which consisted basically of watching the owner's collection of sixteen millimeter films and. Um, and eating for free you much have loved that yeah it was great it was great and uh and then that led to i actually did stand up for a little while okay there. uh they tried to uh, they opened a comedy club there briefly and i i i uh, emceed the club for a while do you remember who some of the comics were god no no it's no, it so long no, ago. And yeah. it's just, it's I, so, the comedy changes so much i think probably there was one guy who used to come in every night it was open mic every night. This guy would come in every night and do Carson's act from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was just, you know, it was a lot of people standing around with their jaws hanging open watching this guy. And, and, uh, and he got a lot of laughs, but it wasn't because of... What he thought he was getting right. for,
0: and <laughs> was like, "Oh, this guy's got balls, <laughs> yeah. man! What the hell's going yeah. on here?" So now you're doing this. Now, when do you start pursuing the acting again? Well, i uh,
1: i wasn't I wasn't out here very long before I realized I can't I can't go uh, long without acting, right? And uh, uh, and so i i I's, i did a couple of little uh, plays uh, here locally, and then uh, I had been writing plays as well since. Uh, uh, since my college days and uh, uh, somebody, somebody out here read one and uh, recommended me to uh, a theater here in town called Theater West uh, which was at the time and I guess still is one of the most uh, uh, well known and prestigious companies in, in town and uh, has been here a very very long time uh, they picked up the play and did it in 85 uh, the play was called Vertigree's and it's um, uh, this is my plug for today. It's uh, they're doing a 30th anniversary revival, which uh, opens at Theater West on March 13th. So, okay. Uh, um, well, it, what's that like? It's, I mean, sing. It, it's like you wrote it, and it's
0: it's like the beginning of your uh, pretty much the beginning of your L.A. Yeah. career, and you've had a very a great career. So it's sort of like the the, the seedlings now you've yeah. grown to this tree, and that must just be a real a real. Uh, a real pretty much an honor that they 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 brought back i mean how does that happen do they say hey jim we're going to bring this back Or what happened
1: well um uh let me let me preface by saying that that production of that play is almost solely responsible for whatever career i've had since then because uh it got me a lot of attention as a writer uh it got me a big agent it got me a lot of writing offers uh i wrote television for a while and uh and then that led into actually getting work as an actor, which was always my first love. So, um, uh, uh, and then I met my late wife working on that play. So uh, uh, my family, my my job, my career, everything traces back to that production. So flash forward 30 years, and uh, uh, I've been a member of, of Theater West uh, all that time. And at one point, uh, uh, they uh there was just some discussion of you know is there something you'd like to do around here i said well i'd love to see verdigris put back up again and they said well that's a great idea let's do it and that's kind of how it came about it was uh it was a combination of of uh uh people at the theater asking me what i would like to do uh not guaranteeing that i'd get to do it but uh you know just picking my brain and uh and me coming up with that suggestion so uh uh, yeah, we're, uh, opening in about nine or ten days and, uh, uh, gonna do it all over again.
0: Now, did you have to do rewrites? Did you update it? I mean, did you have to, because it's 30 years and, I mean, what's, what's the
1: premise of the play? Well, the, the, the play is based, uh, loosely on real life experiences I had while I was in college. Um, and, uh, I had, I had answered a jo- an ad for a summer job. Uh, I was going to school in a small town in Oklahoma and, uh. Uh, I answered this ad that was kind of weird. It said, uh, wanted a uh, um, uh, young man to help retired businesswoman in a wheelchair. Free college education. Must be six feet tall or over. I thought, that's interesting. And um, I took this job working for this powerhouse of a woman who was completely paralyzed. And who couldn't move, couldn't take care of herself in any way, shape, or form, and yet she juggled the lives of everybody around her like a circus act. And uh, I had never written a play in my life, but while I was working for her, I thought this is a play. Right. And um it took me a seven or eight years before I got around to writing it. But uh that's I I I took that situation and built a story uh up around it. And uh it was um so it takes place in the early seventies. Okay, and uh, in the only I haven't updated it any. What I've what I've done is uh, you know I'm older now. I'm a little wiser. Uh, I uh, I see things that didn't work as well as they should have the first time around, and so there there have been some tweaks. But it's uh, it's uh, it's basically the same play it was uh, thirty years ago. It's just. Um, um, I can't play the young kid anymore. Right, that is so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's such
0: a, just to think, you know, you look back at your work and then you look at your career. Like as I look through your uh, IMDb, I always sit there whenever people have more than 100 credits, I go, wow, <laughs> what you have, and you have a bunch. But now that you're now your first, I mean, you were in soap operas, like I guess I you had in Santa Barbara and stuff like that. Yeah. But your, your first
1: uh, TV series that you were regular in, was it, was it Reasonable Doubts? Yeah, I guess so. I had, I had done an episode of um, uh, a show called Midnight Caller. Right, with uh, Gary Cole. Right, with Gary Cole. And much like this uh, situation <laughs> we're in right now, a uh, uh, late-night radio host. And uh, um, and uh, uh, the, the producer on that show, Bob Singer, uh, had a new show the following fall. And the writer on that episode uh, wrote a part for me in the new show, Reasonable Doubts. And uh, uh, so I did, uh, I did a bunch of those uh, as a homicide cop playing uh playing with uh, opposite mark harman and uh, we had a lot of fun for a couple of years and uh i had just quit smoking and so of course i got cast as a chain smoker and what's that like <laughs> I, I quit i quit two and a half years ago and i could not even i mean
0: and i could do it for health reasons yeah. but i could not even now it's like it's so funny because you've quit for a while mm-hmm. it, when when you when i smell it now and this is only two and a half years in i'm like oh my god yeah. how i mean did, how did you do that? Because that was just—I mean—that's acting. I mean, that's acting. I, I
1: did—I did, I did two years on that show and never once did a scene without a cigarette. Wow. And uh, uh, I just—I don't know how I did it. It was—it was—it was a combination of awful and oh, good, I get to smoke again. Right. <laughs> uh, I was the—the the hard thing about smoking on camera is that uh, you know they have to do different takes and the length of your cigarette has to match, so they keep giving you new ones so by the time you've finished a scene you've actually smoked 100 foot long cigarette oh god I never
0: thought of that but you're right it all has to be continuity so yeah, it's like oh yeah. my god yeah, and the funny thing is I mean and people notice that stuff you don't think about it but I was watching a, a sitcom a few weeks ago and they mentioned Mervin's, and I was, mm-hmm. like, I was like but Mervin's closed you know I said they're going what are you guys doing Mervyn's closed and I even checked I said is Mervyn still in Chicago I googled mm-hmm. it no they all closed so it's just but I remember that I yeah. noticed that but smokers, I'm sure, noticed about the, the draw yeah, of a cigarette. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it was... Um, I hated for the show to end, but I'm sure my lungs appreciated it.
0: So then you, you you sit there, that's done, and then you were on a show called Thunder Alley?
1: Yeah. That was that was my first official series because I it was the first time I was a regular on the show. On Reasonable Doubts, I'd been a recurring... I did a lot of episodes, but I, I wasn't one of the contract stars on okay. the show. Thunder Alley was a, a sitcom with Ed Asner and... Uh, um, a precocious five-year-old boy named Haley Joel Osment. Wow! And uh, uh, and it was only his second job. He had done. Um, he had, he had played Forrest Gump Jr. in the movie, uh, but he had this. He came on the show, and we all looked around. and said, "He's going to own the studio. This kid is the most brilliant child actor I have ever seen. He still is. I, I, of course, he's twenty six, twenty seven now." But yeah, uh, but it's
0: still, we all still, yeah. you know. Every, I don't care how old you are. I mean, if you're if you're over thirty five, yes. you still remember him from as the little kid, and that you see you'll always see him as that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. even when he
1: gets older, you still yeah. say, "Yeah, it's still a yeah. kid from yeah. you know." Yeah, and. Uh, uh, and that show was a real blessing. I was, I, uh, uh, I mean, it's 20, 22, 23 years since we started that show now. And, uh, and I'm still very, very close with, uh, with the cast. Uh, Ed Asner is just, you know, one of the best people ever born. And- what was it like working with him? Because, you know, it's so funny because
0: he's such a great actor. And, you know, as a kid, I mean, I'm 51. So as a kid, I saw him in Mary Tyler Moore. Mm-hmm. And he was just a heel. You know, he was, yeah, but and that, but that's when you sit there and you, you look at it, and then you see him play a nice guy. And when you're younger, you don't understand acting. Yeah. But what's it like? I mean, because you're going and, and and it's your first series regular, yeah. and he's a powerhouse. I mean, does that, yeah. that intimidate
1: at all to you? Or um, Do you sit there? or Were you excited? You know, remember I was in the Marines. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I uh, it doesn't make me a tough guy, but it makes me familiar with powerhouses, and uh, uh, you know. Uh, the first day we worked together, we all broke for lunch, and uh, uh, we went to the commissary there on the Disney lot, and uh, um, and I, um, uh, I ordered the sushi they had there. And uh, um, Ed had told me the day before, uh, when we were in for wardrobe fittings, he had mentioned that he had his horrible sushi at the commissary. And so I got... Sushi because that's what I like to eat, and he walked by and he glanced down at my tray, and almost the first non-scripted words he said to me, he looked down at the tray, looked up at my, me and said, "You stupid son of a bitch," <laughs> and I thought, okay, if that's how he breaks the ice, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in, and uh, uh, he's you know he's uh, uh, he he's 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 got a bristly outside and he's just a cream puff inside and i love him dearly that's awesome and now that was thunder alley was a comedy so that sort of started
0: getting you into comedy because then you started doing a recurring of third rock
1: yeah yeah um and working with john lithgow who's
0: amazing yeah
1: yeah i had uh uh my wife was the uh uh the casting director on uh third rock uh and uh um, and it, you know, it sounds like, oh, you got to part through nepotism. Well, uh, probably, but, uh,
0: I've heard though, I, don't, I mean, I've heard because, you know, Larry Poindexter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his wife's a casting yeah. director and he said he has to do extra good in the auditions. else people go, yeah, oh, what do you get in the part? And people don't think that the people think yeah. it's nepotism. But he's like, I have to
1: be twice as good. Well, she, you know, uh, we were together 19 years and, uh, in all that time she cast me twice. Okay. So, um, uh and and she would never she would never tell the producers we were married until after they made their decision and uh uh she was very very strict about uh about you know not not trying to uh, put her thumb on the scale and uh uh so yeah i got uh uh i had a i had a fun time on on third rock did uh, did a few playing playing harry's boss uh in the bar and uh uh you know i had right before i got thunder alley back in 93 uh i had you know i'd been doing almost nothing but dramas and uh i had had i'd actually had a casting director who saw me for uh, a comedy pilot call my agents and say i thought you said this guy was funny right and uh and i i couldn't get a sitcom to say the very first sitcom i ever did i was the third build star of and uh uh and i thought okay, well, at least I finally got one. And then um, a few years later, I got to do Third Rock again. But this, I love doing comedy, and I've done a fair amount of it, done a lot of it on stage. Uh, but it, as the older I got, the more people seem to tend to think of me in, in serious stuff. So, uh um, either way, it's fine with me. I like them both.
0: Yeah, that's it. Now, you also, because you read, I love your resume, because it's, it's, uh, you have so many shows, not your resume, you're listening. Now, you did a few soap operas, too. Yeah, well. How did that go about? Because, I mean, you're doing a comedy, then you're doing a series, then you're in a soap, I mean, and it's like, and I've heard
1: that is hard, hard oh, work. it's hard. It's hard, because, and I don't think any of them are going to ask me back, so I guess I can say this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the better the the better the dialogue the better the writing the easier it is to do uh the better the writing the easier it is to remember and uh let's put it this way not every soap opera has great Literature at its core,
0: right? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I always love how it's like. I love soap operas because it's like someone will die, and then like four seasons later, they'll show up completely. It's 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 sci yeah. it's science fiction. I well, mean, that's basically what it is when you think about it. It's and there's aliens and there's like you run Days of Our Lives, yeah. there's the Marions and this people and the aliens come oh. up and then John Black comes back and the hey, Brady and you're like you're watching it and you're going, this is fun. But then there's people who're yeah. going, this is real. Yeah. And you're like yeah. wait a second, this isn't real.
1: Well, I had. Uh, uh, I like to say about my time on days of our lives. I played a priest, Father Jansen, and uh, I was on it on and off for about five years, I guess and uh, at the end of uh and by the end of five years, I had performed I think four weddings, three funerals, and two sets of last rites and at the end of five years, nobody was dead, and nobody was married. <laughs>
0: That's just, it's it's so creative. It's just great, I mean, it is you sit there so far, but but I heard it's grueling when you're on it a lot because you have to learn so much
1: dialogue. Well, when you're on it a lot, I I never had to suffer from that indignation of being on it a lot, right? Uh, 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 it's it's hard to learn. It's and the people who are on it every day and are in every scene or every other scene, uh, I they must have some kind of photographic memory. Uh, now the regulars sometimes get uh you know chalkboards with their lines pasted up uh cue cards and stuff uh i i never got to the point where and unfortunately a lot of what i had to say was latin and uh uh, uh but there was uh I, I had a real respect for the for the people uh uh i know Uh, Drake Hogeston on Days of Our Lives was uh, an especially good guy to me while I was there. Uh, And that's not always the case with somebody who drops in every once in a while. Uh, uh, Sometimes there's a little disdain from the regulars. But uh, Drake was always great. But he had these reams and reams and reams of dialogue to say. And I I just didn't know how he learned it all uh, because it was every day. Right. And, uh, you know, it's... um, uh, it's one thing to learn your scenes for something and then have a couple of days off before you work again uh, uh, and in And in uh, most film and television. You only work on one or two scenes a day on soap operas. You do the whole show every day. That's insane. So you
0: do Days of Our Lives, but then you end up on Deadwood. Now it's so funny because you sit there. It's like and Deadwood. I mean, it's just not nothing against soap operas, people. But going from Days of Our Lives, you know, to Deadwood. I mean, with uh, you know NYPD Blue. I mean, just the, yeah. just it was merch, right? Uh, David Milch. Yeah, yeah. Milch. And uh, how did that how did that audition come up? And now did you? were you wanting to play a Western part? Was that something you wanted to
1: play? I'd done a lot of Westerns. Uh, do you enjoy uh, that? Oh God. Yes. You know, I grew up in Texas, right? And you're a movie historian. So the old, the old when Westerns were Westerns. Yeah. Yeah. I got to, uh, you know, when I was a kid, my favorite movie was John Wayne's the Alamo. And I got to do a movie on the same set. You know, it was like a, it was, it's doing a Western is the dream come true for people whose dreams are already coming true because they get to act. Right. And, uh, uh, and I had done a few. I did a couple of the the Gunsmoke movies with James Arness, and uh, uh, and it was all great. But then Deadwood came along, and uh, they 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 sent me they sent me the the sides for the audition, and I read it. And for the first time in my life, I thought this one's mine. This one is mine. I may not get it, right. but it's mine. Uh, I had never read anything that was so close to what i thought was my wheelhouse uh and um, uh the character of ellsworth uh i I, just, I looked at it on the page my audition was was the first big monologue that ellsworth has in the pilot and uh i looked at it and i thought nobody is going to do this better than i am not because i'm so good but because i know this stuff i know this character i know how to say these words what made you know it so good what what inside what inside click that well, said i know this probably because i'd seen 790,000 westerns and uh not the deadwood was a typical one not i oh, yeah, yeah, yep, the writing was very was different than a western the writing was phenomenal but it was it was um i don't know it was just it was a feeling i had for the character it was uh uh i i used to describe him as gabby hayes with tourette's syndrome uh 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 it, it was it was so um it was so rich and so musical uh and you know there have been a lot of comparisons of deadwood's dialogue to shakespeare right uh in part that's because of the musicality uh um I have no idea whether it's iambic pentameter, but it reads like it is. I mean, it feels like it is. It's that same sort of poetry of, of uh, um, exalted language used in the case of Deadwood for some very, very gritty purposes. And uh, uh, it was just, it was so rich. It was the most brilliant, moving, affecting, uh, delightful thing I've ever done in my career. And uh, and I wish we could have run for 40 years. What well, I mean, is it was it was it uh,
0: what happened? I mean, it, it had good ratings. Was it was just it had good rating. I think they planned to cut it after a while. Because a lot of you know, these shows now go five years. Yeah. And they that's it.
1: There are a lot. There are a lot of rumors as to what went on. I don't know precisely, but I know that my impression is that uh, uh, that the network just found the show too expensive. We were. Uh, a very expensive show uh we and 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 david milch is he's one of the two bona fide geniuses I've ever worked with. who and was the other Guillermo del toro okay and uh um and when you're when you're dealing with with milch you're dealing with a a force of nature that can't necessarily be contained in the same box that everybody else in the business is is working in and so uh hbo of course not having uh, sponsorship uh, problems not having running time problems like like nbc or abc um they were they felt freer to give him uh more room to be expansive with what he was trying to do um the, the the flip side of that is it can be expensive especially with a show with 25 regulars on it right and uh and period costumes and 200 extras and horses every day uh uh bottom line is uh david has taken a lot of guff from people who think he quit the show or left it for another show uh but i am uh, i i was privy to a certain extent to how hard he fought to keep it on uh on the air uh and i would i would say that it went down uh absolutely against his will and that it was primarily financial uh i think the network just felt like the money they were putting out wasn't uh, coming back to them in the quantities they wanted it to, and that they could do other shows, even with David, for less money.
0: Um, now, now when that ended, you must have been a little depressed. I mean, mm-hmm. it was
1: just because it, so it now did people start recognizing you when you're in that show. Did, that's the show. That's the show where every once in a while somebody would would. Pick me out on the street, and I was shocked. I had no idea that anybody, you know, was even watching. I mean, I knew, I knew around town they were watching because it was kind of a a, a water cooler show in the industry, and I would go to auditions and people would. Go! Oh my God, it's Ellsworth. That like, must be great, though. I that mean, is I great. You
0: just sit there. It's like you you sort of have an upper an upper hand because you're walking in. And then, and the thing is, you don't have to prove yourself because they yeah. they know you. And if they just saw you, and because it's such a cool
1: show, it yeah. must have been great. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. I mean, I had been doing this by the time Deadwood came along. I'd been I'd been acting for thirty years, and I had never had that experience of people knowing who I was before I introduced myself or was introduced to them uh, it was, it was mind boggling. Uh, it didn't always mean I got work, but I did get work because of it. Uh, for the first time in my life, I began occasionally to get offered things without having to audition. And, uh, uh, that, that was kind of shocking. And then I, I came off of Deadwood after three years and, and went on to Supernatural. And then it it just kind of exploded in that world it's one of the things i've learned doing these different shows uh that have really devoted audiences is that you can be really famous in one room and walk into another room and nobody knows who you are right and um uh because of supernatural i got really well known in certain circles around the world and yet I go into an audition and people say, you know, what have you been doing? I say, well, the show's Supernatural. And he goes, oh, well, what is that? I said, well, we've been on for ten years. Yeah, and they go, really? And yeah, my friend
0: Joff, he loved, he loved Deadwood. and I said, he, because I always say if someone, I yeah, only got from Deadwood and he's like, oh yeah, he's also on Supernatural, and he's, and it's just, it's that thing that, and I was, I've talked to other guests that have been on shows like that, mm-hmm. and when you're on a show like Supernatural or that kind of show. The people who watch that show know you from that show, but then mm-hmm. they, they look for all your other yeah, work and yeah. go, he's been in this. Because I was going to ask you, after, uh, after uh, Deadwood, now I saw you had some recurring on Big Love and you were in mm-hmm. John in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Did HBO just come to you because they knew that you did no. well, or did you have to go through the whole process again, or did you know there were going to be HBO
1: shows? Uh, no. Uh, well, John from Cincinnati was David Milch's next show, Okay, and he just cast me. That must have uh, been great. That was great. Season or nothing. Great. Just yeah. boom, you get a call. Yeah. I want you in. Here. Yeah. I mean, that must be the best feeling. And but you know that, that David likes to work with the same people a lot. And uh, uh, one of my favorite stories about him is uh, the the, uh, the I guess the second season of Deadwood. He brought the actor Garrett Dillahunt back in a completely different role from what the one he'd played in the first season. And uh, we were at a press thing and and. Uh, uh, one of the people said is there a is there a thematic or symbolic reason that you use the same actor in a completely different role the second season and David said no, I just don't like meeting new people okay <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, it, it's you know that was that was great getting called to do John from Cincinnati uh, but uh, big love the other things it's you know to a certain extent, you can carry a little of your cachet from uh, from one show to the next, but uh, uh, largely you gotta you, you do kind of have to prove yourself again, or at least prove that you're the right one for this role. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of they want to hear you, they want to make sure your jaw didn't fall off during the off season or something, and and uh, 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 it's uh, uh, it's not it's not it's not a thing where oh you've had one successful show and you never have to try to get another right. one right
0: now when you when you got cast in supernatural mm-hmm. okay now and to be honest did you did you think i mean when when you go like when you when you read deadwood you said wow yeah. this is just did you think supernatural would last so long or did you think it would get it such did. a huge following cuz you go into these auditions and i've heard people say they i mean i've heard a cast of a show that you sit in there and this thing's gone for 10 years mm-hmm. and it gets canceled over the right, season right. when you read The Supernatural did you think it would keep
1: no no I mean I didn't think anything about it at all I had heard about the show it had been on for most of a season before I came on I came on the first epi- the last episode of the first season and I had heard of the show I didn't know anything about it it wasn't the kind of show that attracted my attention I don't think I was the target audience uh, uh, and and I just went in I just went into audition. I was uh now the shows produced uh one of the executive producers was Bob Singer who had used me on reasonable doubts. And um uh and there are various stories as to how I got the part. Uh um and I'm not sure which one is is true. Bob says basically, uh, they needed this character, they needed him to be kind of uh gruff but lovable and somewhat rural and he said, I know the guy. Um I, I don't know. Uh, right. I know I went in and auditioned, and then they told me later that nobody looked at the audition tape. They just gave me the part. So That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know exactly, but I remember thinking it was a one-off that I was going to go in and do this one episode. It seemed like fun. It seemed like something I could do. Um, but I never expected to come back, and I didn't have any thoughts one way or the other about whether the show would come back because it wasn't the kind of show I paid attention to. It was only after I'd been on it two or three times that I began to realize how smart and funny and human it was and that uh, uh, relationships were at the core of the story rather than just scares and and gross stuff. And and I was amazed when I began to actually meet and talk to fans who told me that they would watch the show even if there wasn't any scary stuff, uh, that they were in it for the relationships between these two brothers and, and their surrogate father and their, you know, friends and etc. etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, I look back on it now and I say well you know it's been running 10 years it's probably going to go 12 at least I think uh, and uh, uh, of course it ran this long it's such a good show and um, you know, I, I've, I've talked a lot about Deadwood. I've talked about, you know, I got to do Breaking Bad. I got to do Justified. Some stuff with great writing. I got to tell you, some of the best dramatic scenes I've ever played in my life were on Supernatural, which is not the kind of show where people
0: think you don't. You don't think that. that. No, you don't yeah. think that. You think, you know, it's just like, it's like with Grimm. You know, you yeah. think, oh, no, it's not going to be, you know, dramatic. it's, it's going to yeah. be dramatic, but not heavy-hitting dramatic. Yeah. Now, do people start recognizing you a lot after Supernatural?
1: Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, what is I that mean, like? It's, it's fun. A lot of people, uh, because I'm very active on social media, a lot of times I don't f- realize that somebody recognized me until I see something on Twitter. That well, you have like, what, a uh, hundred and something thousand Twitter followers or something huge? 630,000.
0: Six, yeah. I was sitting there the other day. I was, I was like, what? I was, <laughs> going, I was going, wow. Because you see some people and you go, okay. And then I saw it and I went, holy crap. I mean that's that's like I mean did that just appear out of nowhere when you got on Twitter? I mean, what it's like you get on Twitter, then all of a sudden you go, you know, oh, I got ten thousand, I, I got twenty
1: thousand. Well, yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was kind of like that. I was on there and and I had made a decision fairly early on. I knew that um, keeping to oneself, keeping private, keeping protected, was the way most actors with any kind of uh, profile chose to do it. And I thought I'm going to keep myself safe. I'm going to keep my family safe. Right. You know, they, I'm not putting my home address online. But what if I was? What if I was one of the guys who said, "You want to talk to me? I'll talk to you." Uh, what if I opened up? And uh, uh, this this came as a direct result. I mentioned uh, my late wife, Cecily. Uh, uh, she died actually. Uh, Eleven years ago today, okay, um, uh, at forty-six from lung cancer. So you know how I feel about uh, right. Yeah, it's um, the uh, in the course of her illness, I had uh, created a a, a a nightly email newsletter to family and friends, let them know what's going on, which became kind of a journal, which eventually became a book, and and. Through that process, I had learned the value of opening up to people, to being open, to, to, to saying, okay, here's my heart, step on it if you want, or let's talk. Uh, and I decided to move that into, into the whole social media area. So I'm very open and available uh, and sometimes i get in arguments and i have you know i do i say stupid things just like everybody else does on the internet and um of course you know i get half a million people reading my stupid right, things so uh there's <laughs> there's often a price to be paid but uh uh i found it very very rewarding and because of that i think that's part of that's the only reason I can think of that anybody would follow me is that I'll talk back to
0: them. Right, and well, also though, it's like because you said Supernatural's been on so long and mm-hmm. that, that is, that, their demographic is the concentration of when social media started. I mean, yeah. when Twitter started, you know, Facebook is, fa- I mean, Twitter and Facebook are so much different for the fact that, you know, Twitter, it's just quick. Yeah. You know, And yeah. the conversation is quick. And yeah. it's easier to be on Twitter because you don't have to put an effort in. You just yeah. put a picture up. That's it. You need
1: one picture and then you tweet. Yeah. Facebook, you know, you gotta well, do this, you, know, you gotta get
0: friends, you gotta get that.
1: I, I'm, I'm very, I'm even more active on Facebook. Actually, I write big, I write, you know, I, I do movie movie reviews. It's my way of going back to my uh, my roots. Uh, do you
0: do new movie reviews,
1: or do you ever see an old movie on TV? and do No, I mainly do. I, 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 for a long time, for several years, I was reviewing everything I saw, which means most of it was old movies because okay. that's what I prefer. Uh, but um, the last few months, I've been so busy that I that I've I've slacked off from the reviewing because I was reviewing everything, a couple of hundred things a year, uh, and it's and it was just a way for me to have conversations about movies with people because I'd post what I thought, they'd post what they thought, and we'd get in arguments or we'd say, oh man, you know, you and I like the same movies, right? Let's, let's hang out. Uh, um, so yeah, I'm I, I don't write as much productive stuff, as I used to, because I spend an awful lot of time writing junk on on Facebook. We all do that. We yeah. all, you know how you get caught up with
0: stuff and you write something, you see something, like during sports season, you're like, yeah. hey, write this or whatever. Now, now with, with Breaking Bad, yeah. now you probably got a lot of followers off that too, because everyone knows that show inside out. Yeah. Everyone, I know of a friend who watched it. He never watched it, mm-hmm. and then he watched it. Then he goes, yeah, I'm going to watch it again. And yeah. I was like, you just binge watch it. I mean, what, did you get a lot of people recognizing you from that? Just because uh,
1: You know, I got to tell you, I, uh, truth be told, I only worked two days right. o- on that show. I worked uh, I think episode two of season four, selling uh, uh, Walter White a gun, and then I came back and sold him a machine gun at the beginning of season five, and that was it. I have gotten more comment from those two appearances <laughs> than almost, not quite, but almost anything else I've ever done. Uh, i just uh it's uh, the 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 impact of that show is is pretty astonishing and uh obviously you can you can do even uh uh just a day or so on it and and get some attention now of course uh it was a great part and it was really really well written and uh uh and i'm i'm a firm believer that no actor gets any acclaim for doing something that 's not well written um, with the possible exception of soap operas uh right but um uh yeah that was it was uh uh it was it was one of those things where they i was doing supernatural i was in the middle of an episode and uh and they said uh do you want to fly to albuquerque for the weekend and do this one scene and i said yeah because huh? i although i had never seen the show at the time they were in season four and i hadn't looked at it and i said but i knew it was a popular uh uh show and, and i said yeah absolutely so I went down there, had a great time, flew right back to Vancouver, and uh, uh, and didn't think much more about it. And then the day after it aired, it, my Twitter feed blew up. That's so funny. It's so funny. It's like, well, you know, you've been lucky
0: that you, I mean, you've, you've worked with really good writers. Yeah. And then yeah. you're unjustified, yeah. which I mean, well, I mean, that
1: must have been great. That was great. I uh, I don't know what they originally planned for my character. I, I came in, and I did one episode i was supposed to do another one in the second season uh i wasn't available because of supernatural uh so uh nothing happened then they brought me back for two or three or four in the third season i thought oh okay well every once in a while i'm going to be the sheriff that they have to come to and talk to about some escaped criminal or something and then in season four they came up with this notion that uh, they wanted to center the entire season around my character and uh and that blew me away uh it was i had no expectations of anything like that coming uh and that show has been uh they've traditionally built a season around a a major central character and uh uh, i never expected that uh that my guy would uh, would end up being that guy and uh um, and that, you know, again, that turned into uh, 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 something I completely never expected. Uh, uh, a lot of critical attention to uh, to the show that season and uh, the character I was playing, and that was that was pretty
0: cool and it sort of got like this southern the the western feel a little yeah. bit yeah. do you like yeah well, you, it's, it's like a like modern that?
1: western in a lot of ways
0: and you see it's weird because you yeah. go back and it's funny because you also you're on mike and molly so you're doing all this stuff and you're on mike and molly which is a comedic role yeah which i mean how did that come about because people know you as a I, serious actor now and it's <laughs> and they know your face
1: yeah it's uh uh well you know the the first day i showed up on the set of mike and molly uh the um the showrunner uh at the table read said uh uh, here's here's the latest in my effort to get everybody from the cast of Deadwood onto this show. <laughs> so I, I think maybe it was just my turn. Uh, but uh, uh, it was great to go back and do some comedy after uh, quite a number of years away from it. And, uh, um, you know... Uh, Three camera sitcom in front of a live audience is about the cushiest job a, an actor can get. It's just you know you come in for two or three hours a day, and, right? And uh, and and you're home by four, and and uh, um, and you know and you and you get to hear the people laugh. You get to hear the people respond to what you're doing. So that's uh, uh, that was fun. But uh, I don't. I think partly because of the uh, uh, the serious and sometimes. Uh, hard-boiled nature of some of the characters i've been playing i don't i don't get asked to do comedy as much uh anymore but uh uh maybe that's just in my head maybe i don't know i've i've got a i've got a meeting uh i think tomorrow for a for a new comedy and uh don't know if it'll happen but uh, uh but i was delighted that uh, oh good somebody uh it's gotta be exciting we, yeah. we have, we're running out of time uh what else is coming up what else what's coming up for you well, as I mentioned, my play Vertigris opens March 13th at Theater West here in L.A. Now, uh, how long will that run? Uh, that'll run um, at least six weeks, maybe a couple more okay. uh, uh, before we get booted out for the next show there. Um, in uh, in October, the, the big picture I just did with Guillermo del Toro, uh, Crimson Peak, comes out. And uh, um, I think that's going to be i just saw the trailer for it it's it's astonishing what's it about it's a gothic horror story uh set in 1901 in buffalo and in england and tom hiddleston and jessica chastain and charlie hunnam and mia wasikowska and myself are the principals in it and uh and that was an astonishing experience too. It must
0: have been. It's such yeah. a big. By the he's such a great director.
1: it's just it must be. And must he have. he he told me he wrote the part for me after seeing me on Deadwood. So you know it all goes back.
0: It, it's amazing that you know that show that and you said it has a very the audience that watched it loved it, mm-hmm. but it's amazing and there's so much. I mean, Olafant was on it, and then later he worked on yeah. Justified, and it's amazing that it was different because I think people didn 't want to watch the Western, but then mm-hmm. I think when people wanted to watch, Bristol saw it was sort of more highbrow yeah. and it it's just shows that you know all of you guys you know have gotten work from that from yeah. that show that has yeah. helped you catapult it, and it was a show that lasted for what three years yeah three, and that yeah. 's what 's amazing
1: yeah it was not it wasn 't uh, a, a, a long live show, but it had a lot of impact for all the people who were on it, and, and I think it still does I think uh, and, you know, when uh, the end comes in another 50 or 60 years, uh, uh, if they want to put uh, Deadwood actor Jim Beaver kicked a bucket at 141 today, uh, I'll be happy with that. Now, now, do you, do you get on stage anymore? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the play. That, uh, I mean, but I've a smaller part.
0: Was, what, what's it like going back on stage after
1: doing all this? Well, I've, I've always kept... Uh, uh, done as much on stage as i can although this is the first full-length play i've done in about six seven eight years um uh it's great it's i love i love the stage it's very different um i'm i'm having a, a, a strange experience this time because i'm also the writer right. and and it's uh, uh i'm in rehearsals i'm always missing cues because i'm busy judging the other actors right. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's great you know and um, uh, I'll always try and keep my hand in every one of these pots uh, film television stage and uh, um, and here today radio
0: great I want to thank you for coming on it was a pleasure meeting you and uh, give all your you're a social media guy give all your social media I, I gave an extra minute give all your social media stuff
1: absolutely uh, I'm at uh, uh, my twitter handle is Jumble Jim J-U-M-B-L-E J-I-M and I'm on Facebook, uh, you know, uh, um, I've, I've got a fan page there because they don't let you have more than 5,000 right. friends. So I've got a personal page and I've got a fan page, and uh, uh, I'm not hard to find. Now, do you, t- you tweet a lot, you said? Yeah, you know, it depends on if if I'm sitting in an airport, I tweet a lot. All right. Uh, you know, so
0: and now theater West website will get more information about yeah, the theater app. theaterwest.org okay and that starts march 13th march 13th okay that's cool well yeah when you people go check it out and god go to go to you know go watch Deadwood. go to if you have hbo use hbo go you can find it on there you know you, you get your little chromecast you put it in the tv you can watch it anywhere which i love the chromecast cuz you put the little thing in, and I sit there with. I do it from my cell phone. I sit there. My girlfriend will be downstairs watching something. And I'll go, oh HBO, and you can find all these old shows. So yeah, it's great. So check it out, people, and go uh, follow Jumbo Jim. Jumble Jumble Jim. Follow yeah. Jumble Jim on Twitter. Also, people, follow me at Twitter at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I'm always writing some witty stuff. I try to be witty and uh, you hear me when I'm on different guests on different radio shows and different stuff like that. Also, go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have about 350 episodes up, I think, maybe more. And you can also contact me through that at Cooper at coopertalk.net. Send me an email. Tell me what's going on. Also, on your tablet, iTunes and Stitcher, type in one word, Cooper Talk, and you can find my shows. And if you have an Android uh, device, you can get to the Google Play Store. It's free. Get the Cooper Talk app. You can put it right on your desktop there and do it. And also, my other, big thing I'm pitching right now, go to my new website, stopthesalt.com. And You can get my cookbook it's a low it's called stop the salt and it 's low sodium cooking from one without killing yourself. you know as I went through my health problems, I had to change my diet a lot. so I went out and I wrote a cookbook it's a one hundred and twenty page one hundred and twenty recipes very easy to make you know and they're good stuff it's not like you know Spaghetti. It's good stuff that you can eat and it makes it easy. There's no pictures. So guys, you won't get intimidated because we always look at the pictures and we go, wait a second, I can't cook that. I, I'm afraid to cook that. And it's just, it has a key up front. It says, here's what you use. And everything's cooked at 400 degrees unless it says it. So just do it because stop eating crap. Because you know as we get older, our health is very important and, and salt's killing everybody. So go get that book, stopthesalt.com. You can buy it there. It's $10 with three ninety nine dollars shipping. I will autograph it for you. Or you can go to Amazon and type Steve Cooper, stop the salt. And you can, might be able to get free shipping if you have different stuff. But just go get it because it's a, a project dear to my heart. And, uh, yeah, so buy it. And it helps me out. So, yeah, follow. Follow Jim. Go check out Jim Beaver. Check out all his work. Check out Deadwood and all his amazing work on uh, HBO Go and On Demand. You can find it there. And uh, that's about it. Follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Please send me an email, cooper, at coopertalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a good week, and I'll hear you from you next weekend.